Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers now. All right, 3 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Welcome back in, as always. Thanks for hanging out with us. A lot of um, nervous energy here in the building. A lot of nervous energy, I imagine, in a lot of buildings, whether you're listening at home or whether you're at work right now or you're in your car in between appointments. I, th- I think we all we all kind of know, even this early in this game, early in the in the game, I should say, Gambo, what's at stake tonight? When we talked about it an hour ago, when we opened up the show, I mean, you, you fall... To 0-2 with both of those games at home, now you've got to win four of the last five games in the series and three of them are in L.A. You just don't want to put yourself in that spot. You don't. No, no. You know, you want to, you know, you, you listen, L.A.'s already accomplished what they wanted to. Like, if you would have said to the Clippers, what's the most important thing? Split. Split in Phoenix, get home court advantage. And they've already accomplished that. Now, a lot of teams, and and I don't know why, but a lot of teams tend to take their foot off the pedal just a little bit. Maybe the other team plays with more urgency, knowing that they can't lose. And the other team's satisfied because they got their win already. So, you know, I mean, I expect the Suns are going to come out. I expect they're going to play a much better game. I expect they're going to win. I mean, they're even favored by like seven and a half. So I think that they're going to win convincingly. If they don't, well, you know, that it's look, if they don't win, it's going to lead to a lot of problems that we just didn't see. We didn't foresee the issues with a team that had only played such a limited amount of time. We talked about it. We talked a lot about they haven't played together a whole lot. There's no chemistry. There's no continuity. They even took the last two games off and rested everybody. If they would lose, then I think that that becomes the, the major problem is, wow, this team maybe really truly didn't have enough time together. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because of the whole adaptability, how adaptable they are, and they play so well together. I think they'll figure it out because there's a lot of good, really smart basketball players, and they have more talent than the Clippers do, in my opinion, with their top players right now, especially with Paul George out. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I'm not, I'm not prepared to even think about you know, we, we brought it up, obviously. I brought it up. But I'm really not prepared to do a deep dive into what if, because I'm I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just acknowledging that it could, right? Like, And, and just the yeah. mere fact that it could and that it's a possibility in that regard, it honestly, it scares me a little bit. It, it makes me nervous just because I, I am not ready at this point in the season to be facing that kind of reality or, or having that kind of conversation. I'm just, I'm not there. And I don't think I'm. we're going to have to have that conversation tomorrow, but it is a possibility. It's out there. It's something that certainly could happen. I think you're right. I think you're going to play much better tonight, and I'm um I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's a great time right now to be a Phoenix Suns fan because there's just so much content out there from writers who really know what they're doing and really know what they're talking about. Our own Kellen Olsen is one. Dwayne Rankin over at AZ Central. Uh, Dave King over at Bright Side of the Sun. And Gerald Bourget over at PHNX Sports. And, and he wrote an article, actually it was yesterday. I didn't read it till this morning. Five easy adjustments for the Suns in Game 2 against the Clippers. I'm just going to go through these rapid fire and you just okay. stop me whenever you want to talk about yep. one. Number one, he says, is care more. And basically, it's his way of saying defensive rebounding. Just more of an effort on the defensive boards. Care more about getting defensive rebounds because he didn't care enough about it in game one. All right? Yeah, I think that uh, just a quick thing on that. Sure. Look, yeah, I think ahead. they go care. Ahead. I think they really care. I think they want to win a championship really bad. I just don't think they expected that. They, they, they just 
didn't expect it. And like I said earlier, like with Russell Westbrook, yes, he is one of the great offensive rebounders for his position, but it's very clearly because nobody ever guards him. So you've just got to be aware of where he is. You've got to be aware when the shot goes up that somebody's got to pick him up and make sure he doesn't get in there. Number two, we've talked about this one a lot. Start Josh Okoge again. Will Monty do that? That's the question. I don't know. I mean, a you know, I mean, a they, they had a, they had chances to win. It wasn't like they got blown out. They had chances to win that game. They just oh, yeah. couldn't get an offensive rebound. It was fifty seconds of Clipper possession, um, and that's what you know that ultimately won them the game. They got off to a slow start, but then there was that stretch. I mean, I know you pointed it out today. There was a seventeen minute stretch in which the Suns outscored them by twenty five points. Mm-hmm. So things you know there are things in that game that did go well for the Phoenix Suns. But I would go back to a Koji, bring Tori up the bench and have a you know have a Koji start because I don't think he gives you you know he gives you more of an you know an on the ball pestering defensive player than the length and the size of Tory. Yeah, I I I hope they start a Kogi tonight too. I, I just for all the reasons that we talked about yesterday, the familiarity that you'd already baked in with the Kogi, the the fact that everybody kind of knew their roles and understood it and that by changing that for game 1 it, it took everybody by surprise. I just, you know, Monty, I I don't know how stubborn he's going to be about something like this. And if you've got an idea in your mind that no, really, this is going to work. Really, this is the way for us to go to start Tory Craig. Is there a flexibility or is there a stubbornness? And I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to play that tonight. Number three, and this is probably my favorite, um, just because there were some numbers to back it up that really took me by surprise. Number three, the Suns need to run their offense. And and he writes, it's strange to say this about a team that made you know 52% of their two-pointers in game one, which is a really good number. But listen to this. The Suns took a staggering 62% of their shots from the mid-range. Now, I know the Suns of the mid-range mafia, as K. Ray you know, calls them on Bally Sports Arizona. But during the regular season, the Suns took about 40% of their shots from the mid-range during the regular season. That was up to 62%. I know it's just one game and it's a small sample size, but that is, I think, reflective of just how off the Suns were offensively in terms of what they were running and what they were trying to get. It is their game. Now, Monty's hinted at play, you know, shooting th- more three-pointers because they only shot 19. But their game truly is the mid-range. That's what they excel at. The problem is, like, Chris Paul's got to play better. Like, he's a big part of that, 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 that mid-range game. So if he's not going to make shots, if the pressure gets to him, if whatever it was, he was he made two baskets in game one. He, he shot the ball eight times. He didn't he didn't shoot it very well. Like he's he's got to make those shots because if he doesn't, then there's you know again even more pressure on Booker and uh, KD to hit them. But that is their game. Booker's driving the basket a lot more, um, but those two guys have to dominate that mid range game. And yes, you want to shoot the three, but you want to get the three. Remember when Kawhi was triple teamed and he passed it out to Eric Gordon? Mm-hmm. That's the threes you want. You want to put. You want to do so well in the mid range that they're forced to double you, triple you, and then when you do kick it out, you got all day to sit there and make that shot. Whoever gets the ball, number four, maybe possibly let Kevin Durant cook. We talked about this a lot yesterday. It's just not acceptable for a player of that skill level to get as low usage as he did in the last five minutes of that game. And you brought it up yesterday, and I know our own Kellen Olson wrote about this today too. Look, the Clippers they found a way to get Kawhi Leonard. 
plenty of touches and plenty of minutes and plenty of shots and plenty of points. And he, he was triple teamed. He was double teamed. He was contested almost every single time he had the ball. Yet they still found a way to make him the focal point of what they were doing offensively. And the Suns need to do a better job of that with KD tonight, no doubt. Yeah, they have to. Just him sitting alone in the corner and just waiting for the ball to come to him is just that, that's irresponsible. That's just bad coaching. That, that's bad playing. Kevin Durant is the guy. I mean, you, 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 you sold the farm to get this guy. He's got the ability to be a super special player, right? It's to be special, to carry a team to a championship, to carry a team on his back. He's a two-time finals MVP uh, with two rings. He's got that ability. Like, you've got to trust him. And then at the end of the game, if it's a close game, you've got to find a way to get him the ball. No matter what. Like, you can't, like, you, yeah, okay, so-and-so was wide open. You, you, you still don't want him taking that. You would rather have Durant take a contested shot with the game on the line than a lot of these other guys taking shots that are that are more wide open. And then the fifth one is just simply more Terrence Ross, more T.J. Warren, maybe a little more Jock Landale because Bismack Biombo was such a bad matchup in game one. You've got players on your bench that might be better options with this matchup. Play them and see what sort of results you get rather than the very defensive-minded backups that we saw in game one who just didn't give you a lot of offensive punch at all in that game. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see it. Does he go more Landell over Biz? Does he play T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross? Terrence gives you the shooting. T.J. can give you more scoring. Do you try to go more offense? And maybe you do because... Again, it's like, I do think the teams that could beat the Suns are the teams that could match up defensively. Those are the teams that could beat them. But the Suns' offense is so good. It's so good that they, like, a team like the Clippers, they should be able to win that game because their offense is just so much better than the Clippers' offense. Yeah. You can register to win tickets to see Foo Fighters on October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for event details and for for your chance to win. If you needed something to make your head spin, we ask you for a minute of your time when it comes to Adam Schefter talking about the NFL draft. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, all our apologies to the creatures of habit out there who are used to hearing the Twitter poll being rolled out at 245. Back-to-back guests in the 230 and the 245 segment had us adjusting on the fly a little bit. We do have our Twitter poll question today. We are rolling it out right now. Eric Ruby is here and he's got it on the Burns and Gambo Show. Rubes, what you got for us today? The Suns need a lot to change from game one, but I'm asking specifically, who among these three do they need to have a bounce back game the most? Your options are Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Monty Williams. Wow. That's a good question. That's a really wow. that's a good question. And I say yeah, that I didn't come up with this them. one, so I'm not patting myself on the back. This is a good question. Who did the Suns need to have a bounce back game the most tonight? Uh, I to, to me it's it's neck and neck between Monty and Aiton. And I can't figure out which one. It's it's either Aiton or Monty. I can't figure out which one. You? Where are oh, you? Man. Um I'll go Aiton. Okay. But man, there's a part of me I wanted to go Monty so bad. No, it's I'm telling you, it's neck and neck between Aiton and Monty. And not that Chris Paul's not a bad answer either, but um uh, Monty. Gimme Monty. I think Monty needs to have a bounce back game tonight. 
Yeah. This one is pretty evenly oh. spaced out. Good. In last place at 17% is Chris Paul. In second place at 35.3% is DeAndre Ayton. And leading the way at 47.4%. Wow. The people believe that the Suns need a bounce back game from Monty Williams the most for game two tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I, I I did an ESPN radio hit with Canty and Carlin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier. And one of the things is, hey, there's a new owner. How much pressure is on Monty? I'm like, I'm kind of glad he has that question because, you know, he was up to nothing against Milwaukee and lost. He was up to nothing against Dallas and lost. They had the best record in the NBA last year. Didn't even make it to the conference finals. I do think there's a lot of. Now he's not going to get fired. Me and you have talked about that. Yes. They could yes. lose in the first round and you're not going to fire him. But it would put the spotlight on him next year and would have a lot of people saying, boy, I love Monty, but man, come playoff time. You know, is he the guy? Can he get this guy over the? Can he get this team over the hump? It, that, those questions will be there. Yeah, the fact that you got asked nationally, you know, when you did a when you did that radio hit this morning, that that's interesting to me. That 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 idea is is at least percolating a little bit out there. Good poll question. Uh, vote on it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you're going to find that game's coming up at seven o'clock tonight. Suns down one game to none against the LA Clippers. This series will shift back to LA for games three and four. Four on Thursday and then on Saturday. All right, let's talk a little Cardinals. Let's talk a little NFL draft because we, we really didn't. All right, let's do it. Yeah, because uh, it's it is th- th- there's this there's this thing out there, Gambo. There's this idea out there, and you talk about percolating a little bit. You talk about growing. Uh, it is the idea that the Houston Texans wanted Bryce Young to be their quarterback in the draft, and now that it appears. But the Panthers are going to take Bryce Young, number one overall, that the Houston Texans just don't really like any of the other guys and might go a different direction at quarterback, or at least with their pick, I should say, with the number two pick overall in the NFL draft. So much so, listen to about a minute's worth of Adam Schefter from NFL Live yesterday on ESPN. He doesn't think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks going in the first four picks of the draft. It's about a minute long, but listen to it. It's good. What if the run on quarterbacks gets a little bit delayed? What if it's a little bit later to start than people thought? We've been hearing about quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's not going to happen, I don't believe, in this draft. And what would happen if and when we've seen Carolina make the move up right away, right away for a quarterback at one, but we haven't seen anybody trade up to two when Houston's open to listening? We haven't seen anybody trade up to number three because you know what? I think Indianapolis thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. There's a chance we might not see a quarterback go at two or even three, and there might not be a team that you mean up because the value in that isn't what we thought it would be. So Indianapolis may be sitting there with its pick in the litter, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. That could happen. That's a possibility right now. Adam Schefter went with the double shot of espresso before that show. Man, he was fired up about this, Gambo. Did he even bet like 10 bucks that the quarterbacks were not going to go two and three? He did. This is Dan Orlovsky betting Schefter. Listen to this. I'll bet you $10. Stroud might be there at four. a very nice steakhouse that some, a quarterback, two quarterbacks go in the first four picks. There's no question about it. I bet you 10 bucks. Um, This is what I'll say. Hold on. Dan, what kind of odds? What kind of odds you give me in there? Because that's obvious. Everybody's expecting that, right? I'll give you 10 to one odds, Shefty. Done. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. 10 to 1 on 10 Here's my thing. (laughs) 
Man, what's the movie line? The the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was, was convincing the world he didn't exist. Convincing yes. the world is that what the Texans are doing? <laughs> is that what the like they don't like? But, the, but like, what's what's the big word that people use? Subterfuge. Subterfuge. Sub- Subterfuge. Okay, yeah. Like, there's no reason for them to do that. They've got the second pick. Like, there's no reason to listen. We may think Sheft is crazy, and that you know that a quarterback's going to go number two, and they're going to take one because they've got their choice of the second best quarterback in the draft. If, and they need a quarterback. But there's no reason for them to play a game, right? Indianapolis could be like, yeah, we're not gonna take you know, we're not gonna take a quarterback. I mean, they could play that game, but there's no reason for the Texans to put that because if the the, the, the subterfuge comment is all about like this this what I can't say the no, word. It's, I it's all right. I, I enjoy I enjoy listening to you try. That, that's good. Sub, subterfuge? Subterfuge. Subterfuge. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I wasn't good at school. Um, usually when that word comes into play, somebody's trying to trick somebody to try to make them believe that they're they're not gonna that they're not gonna do something that they're gonna do because it benefits them. There's no benefit for the Texans to put out any missed signals here. There's no benefit. Like there is no benefit. Like there's nobody, you know. There's there's nobody that's going ahead. That's that could jump ahead of them, right? I mean, Carolina's not trading the first pick. No, they're not. They're, and their, their I mean, GM the Texans, said as much. To, said today, the, the Panther GM came out and said, "We're not trading the number one pick. We're taking it." No. So, so like, what's the benefit? What would be like? Like, think through this logically. What's the benefit of the Texans putting it out there that they're not going to take a quarterback? What's the benefit? Um, there is none. It's not like there's no benefit. No, I mean, I guess the okay. The only benefit I can think of is if you love a non-quarterback and you feel like you have to go to two to get one. I don't see who's moving up to get Will Anderson. Who's moving up to get Tyree Wilson? Who's moving? Who is moving up to get the best? Because that to me is the only benefit. Like, hey, you know what? We might just stay here at number two, and we'll just take the best non-quarterback right. available in this draft. So if you want them, you better give us a call. You so know, follow because- me. Follow me. Every time we've talked about the Cardinals trading three, it was for somebody to come up and maybe take Anthony Richardson. It wasn't for younger Stroud. So every oh, Indianapolis is going to move up one spot. They'll get Richardson. Tennessee's going to come up and they're going to get Richardson. Atlanta's going to come up. The Raiders are going to come up. It was always about Richardson mm-hmm. because you thought the first two guys were going to be gone. If you had the Texans, could you possibly be trying to get that team that wants to trade with the Cardinals to trade with you? Sure. That's possible. It's possible. Like, hey, f- you know, forget about forget about three and Richardson. If you like Stroud better and you were going to settle on the third best quarterback, we'll give you a chance to move up and get Stroud. I mean, it's the only thing I could think of is if two's in play to be traded. But if, if but if, but if they're going to take Will Anderson at two, and I did the, um, you know, the 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 Keyshawn did their mock draft. Oh and, yeah, did you go with the guy we told you to go with? I went with Tyree Evans, Tyree, Tyree Wilson. Wilson. Tyree Wilson. I went with Tyree Wilson because Will Anderson was taken. Tech, the Texans guy took Will Anderson. <laughs> so I'm doing this mock draft for ESPN, and they and I had to take Tyree Wilson because Will Anderson was already taken by the Texans guy. So, I mean, the only, if the Texans are really truly going to take a defensive player, I mean, there is no benefit to say anything. They're going to they're take the guy unless they wanted to trade with somebody that's talking to the Cardinals because. 
I'm not sure. I mean, that's or, if, or, if that happens, I think we're all going to be very, very surprised. Or unless they're trying to bait somebody who really wants Will Anderson to move all the way up to two to get him. But again, I just don't think teams move up that high to get Will Anderson. I don't think teams no. move up that high typically to get anything other than quarterbacks. Now, here's okay. I'll even buy. I really will. I'll even buy that the Houston Texans don't love the quarterbacks enough to take one number two overall. As badly as they need one, if you want to convince me that they're not going to take a quarterback, fine. And they take Will Anderson number two, fine. But then to try to convince me that the Cardinals at number three with C.J. Stroud on the board aren't going to have their phone ringing off the friggin' hook for people who want to move up to get C.J. Stroud at number three, that's the part I can't buy. Like like this bet between Orlovsky and Schefter of you know two quarterbacks going in the first four, three, I think three quarterbacks are going to go in the first four. Even if the Texans don't take one at two, I think somebody will call the Cardinals at three and say, hey, we didn't expect C.J. Stroud to be on the board. We want that dude bad. We want to get ahead of the Colts to get him. We want to make sure we've got him. I think three quarterbacks go in the first four. I, I'm on Team Orlovsky on this one. I, I And I know Schefter's the insider, and I know he's talking to guys, and I know he's got information. I think Orlovsky is right. I think there will be more than two quarterbacks that go in the first four picks of the draft because I think the Cardinals would trade out if the Texans didn't take one at number two. That's just what I think. I don't know about you. I I think that sometimes these guys, you know, carry water buckets for other teams and they give you information. They put this out there. I'll help you down the road, but I need to get this out there. But Schefter sounded pretty convinced. Like usually when you're doing that, when Shams is doing that or Woj is doing that, they don't sound very convinced about what they're saying because yeah. they know that they're doing it for a reason and it's not true. Schefter sounded pretty convinced he that he was right. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. It was clear the Suns would have to contain Kawhi Leonard this series. Should they be prioritizing slowing two guys? And who is the other guy? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. Give me 30 seconds on the Diamondbacks, and then I promise we'll move on to Suns Clippers. Uh, what Eric just said in the Sports Center update a moment ago, Gambo, is something I wanted to pass along as well. Tori Lovello telling the media in uh, Miami, or in uh, St. Louis, I should say, that the wrong lineup went out. Uh, it was not supposed to include Corbin Carroll. It was a scheduled day off for him. The wrong lineup went out, so they just corrected it. I even read on um, Theo Mackey's Twitter account. He's with the team right now for AZ Central that um, Corbin Carroll's doing outfield drills right now before the game. So everything's fine. Woo. Yeah, it's it's nothing to worry about. He was a scheduled day off for him, and they inadvertently sent out a bad lineup card. So he's he's okay. So everybody can breathe. Nothing wrong with Corbin Carroll. Okay. Yeah. Good. I, can, I, I got to send my apology text to everybody I just texted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 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 Um, so it's the Suns Clippers, and it's game two tonight. And I never, well, I shouldn't say that. I was about to say, I never thought that we'd have a how do you stop Russell Westbrook conversation. Do we, huh. do, do, we, do we need to have that conversation? I don't think it's stopping Russell Westbrook. I think it's preventing him from doing the damage that he did in game one. 
Like, he is a capable scorer. I don't expect him to go three for 19 uh, again, but he impacted the game with all those intangibles, right? His hustle, his energy, his defense. And, you know, I think now you're aware of that. Now that you've played it, you're aware of it. And, you know, the offensive rebounding, of course. Um, so I don't think it's stopping him. I think you you want him to shoot 19 times. Do you want him to? He's not a good shot. Now, his, you know, he, he's. He's high efficiency when he drives to the basket and he gets those layups because he's you know that's where he is. He's best at attacking the basket. But when you ask him to take a three or a pull up jumper, I mean it's you know that's not his that's not his strength. So I think you you want that. I mean I I think if you would have told Monty before the game we're going to make Russell Westbrook take nineteen shots, great, great, that's great. Knock yourself out, kid. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. keep yeah, keep keep him shooting. Keep it. shooting away. Yeah, I, I don't expect him to shoot that poorly again. But I I do think you got to kind of prevent him from being that that antagonist, that guy that just gets under everybody's skin and plays harder than you. Because he did. He played harder than the other yeah, guys. That's that's it right there. You've got to match his energy. You've got to play as hard as he does because he was out there busting it. He was playing hard. Troy Craig yesterday basically said as much as well. One thing you know about Westbrook, he's going to play hard. Um, he's going to he's gonna give it 100 every time he's out there. We have to, we have to, we have to account for that and, uh, and be ready for and match his energy because he came up with some great defensive plays and some, some offensive rebounds that that ultimately helped him get the win. He's definitely getting his flowers, though. You sent me a story this morning, uh, Paul George to Bleacher Report. Quote, this is the reason why Russ was such a huge pickup. Uh, they just see Russ for the shots that he misses. They don't see him for the rebounding, the defense. Look at the block on KD to start the series off. The block on D-Book to finish the game. They don't see the intangibles, and they look past everything else that he does. They solely lock into whether he makes or misses shots and judge him off that. People don't judge him off of who he is as a basketball player, close quote. Yeah, if he would have done that playing for the Lakers, they would have been, they would have been torching him. He'd be like, wait a second, what about my defense? What about the block? No, we don't care. You shot three for 19. You know? So I, I, his impact was great on the game. And how often do you talk about I mean, We said this after game one. How often do you talk about a guy that misses 16 out of 19 shots? You're like, well, he was one of the heroes of the game. Really? Could hit the broadside of a barn. How's he a hero? Well, he was. I mean, his intangibles. I mean, he was all over the place. The Suns have guys that are capable of doing that. Those guys just have to do it. Josh Okogie's a guy that yes. can impact the game like that. It's funny. That's exact. Just listening to you talk, that's exactly the guy I was thinking about in my head. Like, okay, Josh Okogie can't shoot very well. We all know it. We all know what his limitations are. But he's a guy that when put in the right context, and again, no, not to apply pressure on Money Williams or anything, but this is why Josh Okogie's better off starting than he is coming off the bench. Josh Okogie in the right context can do for you what Russell Westbrook did. Uh, he can bring that energy. He can be that guy. He can match it. He can fly in for offensive rebounds. It, we don't care if Josh Okogie goes 3 for 19, if he's doing all that other stuff that he does, like defend what he he should be your Russell Westbrook, and he needs to be put in a position to be your Russell Westbrook if you're the Phoenix Suns. And that's why I hope, like heck, that Monty Williams is going to start him tonight, because I think that's the role where 
he's able to be a Russell Westbrook type for the for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, listen. The Clippers need Kawhi Leonard to score. The Suns need Booker and Kevin Durant to score. But there's so many other things that go on in a basketball game, and the intangible guys, the guys that can come up with those, you know, come up with a loose ball, force a turnover, grab an offensive rebound, get a steal, block a shot. Those little things there, they're major factors in a basketball game. In the end, we look at, oh, this guy had 35 points and nine rebounds and six assists, and he was th- right. But how many things? How many other things happen to help that guy do those things and help that team win? And that's where you know Russell Westbrook, his imprint was all over that basketball game, and not with his scoring, but in the and just how hard he played on the on the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, um, while we were while we were talking, you tweeted this out, and it's just in front of me, so I'm just going to bring it up so, to kind of get everyone to settle down know, a little been, bit. Go ahead. I've been you, thinking about I've been thinking about this for like a day, and I was like, I have to look this up just to see. And this, I did it today as we were on a commercial break. All right. Well, share with everybody what you looked up on this one. Uh, how many times has a team, a home team, lost game one and then still won the series, right? And last year in the NBA playoffs, there were four instances in which the home team lost game one. In three of those instances, the the, the home team still won the series. Dallas lost game one to the Jazz. They won the series. Memphis lost game one to Minnesota. They lost the series. Even in the NBA Finals, Golden State dropped game one to Boston, they won the series. Mm-hmm. The only team that lost game one at home and and lost the series was Memphis. They lost game one at home to Golden State, and they lost the series. So if you're looking for like, okay, what's, you know, what's, is it doom and gloom? No, it's not doom and gloom. 75% of the teams last year, three out of four that did lose game one at home, went on to win the series. Yeah, yeah. But... I will, and that's good research. I'll circle back to how we let off the show an hour and 40 minutes ago. You can't be 0-2 at home. And now you're talking about a different deal. And, and I know Team 2, but wait, you know, Dallas was down 2-0 last year. They won the series against the Suns. The Bucks were down 2-0 in the NBA Finals. They won the series. Yeah, they lost both of those games on the road. You know, they didn't lose both of those games at home. You, you can't go 0-2 at home and then have to win four of the next five games to win the series with three of those four games, three of those five games coming on the road. You, you, you just can't you can't expect that. You can't ask for that. You can't hope for that. It's just too much. So, while I would agree, there's no reason to panic at all about the state the Suns are in. There will be plenty of reason to panic if we're in here tomorrow and they've lost again. I mean, they. they but I don't, you don't feel that they're going to be in that, sp- that spot? Neither do I. I. I just don't think that is going to be a reality that we're going to have to deal with tomorrow. They're going to fix what they didn't do in game one and have a much better effort today. I feel really, really good about that. Really good about that. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's. I, I do too. I don't think that'll be a situation where they uh, they lose the basketball game. But yeah. that's it's it's comforting to know that there's there's plenty of teams that lose game one and still come on and still come back and win. Register to win tickets to see Foo Fighters on October 3rd. They're at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for event details and your chance to win. Game two of D-Backs St. Louis in St. Louis. It's about an hour away. We'll get you ready for the game. Talk a little D-Backs baseball next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Let's talk a little D-backs baseball here on the Burns and Gambo Show because game two of their series against the St. Louis Cardinals coming up at 445 this afternoon. You'll hear it on the Arizona Sports app on ESPN 620. We, of course, will keep you completely updated on that game throughout the course of the Burns and Gambo Show here. Diamondbacks yesterday, 6-3 winners against St. Louis to open up the series. A seventh inning grand slam by Paven Smith, the first grand slam of his big league career. And it came at a very key moment moment for the D-backs. So those were the winning runs for them to beat the Cardinals 6-3. Good moment for Paven Smith last night, to be sure. He crushed yeah. that ball. Didn't make the team out of camp, but got an opportunity with the injury to Lewis. Has come up, and he's raked. He's hit the ball well. I mean, he's he's given Tori Labello some options. I mean, we always knew the kid could hit. Last year, he didn't. It was surprising. Uh, but he's always been a good hitter. So it's nice to see him come up and uh, and, and have that stick for them. Yeah, he uh, gave the Diamondbacks a 6-1 lead when it was all said and done. Last year, the last couple of years, it has. It's been rough for him. And, and he spent some time down in Reno last year. He said he needed it. He spent some time in the Dominican League during the offseason, just working on kind of pitch selection and being a little bit more picky at the plate when he's looking for the, the pitch that he wants. And so far, it has paid off for him to the point where I don't know when Kyle Lewis is expected back, but certainly Paven Smith, you would think with the way he's played, has created some decision moments for them, right? He's gone. Yeah, the only th- he's 6 for 18. He's, so he's batting 333, 9 RBIs, too. So he's really he's, he's done a good job. But the problem just becomes he's Another left-handed bat. I know. Bat, I know that know? is the problem. I mean, that's the thing. You've got all these left-handed bats, so you're trying to find a. You know, if you want to play, you know, can you play him at first base instead of Walker? Maybe you could DH him. You can, uh, but in the outfield, it's you know, you've got Goriel and Lewis, and you've got Carroll, and you've got McCarthy, and I, you know, it's kind of loaded. They'll find a spot for him, right? I mean, it's you know, if he, if he continues to swing the bat well, they'll they'll find a spot for him to play. He could DH, he could play a little first, and he could play a little bit of outfield. So I think you'll get at bats for him, but there is a lot jam in the outfield. Yeah, and and you're right. The fact that he's a lefty doesn't help his cause, given how... But they did try to address that this offseason by creating a little more balance yeah. in their lineup. Is it Are they comfortable enough with their balance? Do they be willing to keep him on the roster? Keep him on the big league? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that See, question. The problem is, I think that they tried to address it with, you know, with Guriel and... Um, and uh, the, the Seattle kid. And Lewis. The problem, yeah. yeah, Lewis, Kyle Lewis. But the problem is that their three best players are truly all the lefties. Their three best players are Alec Thomas in center, McCarthy in right, and Corbin Carroll in left. That's their best outfield. Like, you know, Goriel and Kyle Lewis are probably, you know, fourth and fifth outfielders on this team. Now you want to get some righty-lefty matchups. I get it. So you could, you know, you could play those guys. But I still think when, when push comes to shove, your best outfield is your three lefties. Yeah. Merrill Kelly was also very good last night. Six innings, five hits, no walks last night, which was a big milestone for him to get to, given how much he struggled with that to start this season. His first win of the year, his ERA is a very good-looking 2.53. He was really good last night. Gave up the one-run Late, but he was bailed out with the Marte home run and then with the Paven Smith home run. So he uh, he got his first win of the year and he pitched very well last night.
night. Yeah, he did. I mean, and he got two big double plays, and then he struck out Arenado to get out of a jam after he'd given up the tying run. Then they came back, and they got, he's got the grand slam, and they put the game away. But, you know, last last week against the Brewers, I mean, six no-hit innings, and, it, you know, he, he, he then he gives up the base hit, doesn't get the win, they lose the game. So it's like, you know, darn, it's, it's tough, like, because he's pitched really well. So it was nice to see them respond with some offense after he had finished his sixth inning to, to get him to win. Now, as far as today's game is concerned, there was a bit of a lineup snafu that, at least on social media, had some Diamondback fans concerned, had some Diamondback fans reaching out to us to figure out what Gambo could find out. Apparently, inadvertently, the Diamondback social media team had sent out a lineup for tonight that included Corbin Carroll that was in error. It was the wrong lineup that was to be sent out. And so when the Diamondbacks then sent out the correct lineup for tonight and it didn't have Corbin Carroll in it, immediately there was speculation on social media that he had been a late scratch and something was wrong and oh my God, is he hurt? Troy Lovello told reporters about a half hour ago, 45 minutes ago, everything's fine with Corbin Carroll. It was a mistake to send out the original lineup card. Corbin was never going to be in the lineup tonight. It was a scheduled day off for him up against the lefty. They had said nothing to worry about. He was in the outfield doing drills. Everything is okay. But I know it caused a little bit of a stir among Diamondback fans on social media to see Corbin Carroll become a late scratch on the lineup card. Right, right, yeah. Got to be careful with social media with those mistakes right there. Oh, boy. Cause oh a little boy. panic in the valley for your first place Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I'm going to get to the standings in just a minute because that there's something substantial going on there as well. But let's talk about tonight's pitching matchup. For the Cardinals, it's going to be lefty Jordan Montgomery. He's 2-1 and one with a 2.45 ERA. Dre Jamison getting the start today for the Diamondbacks. I think we're all excited to see him pitch again after his last start against Milwaukee in which he went four innings, gave up three hits, no runs, no walks, struck out four through 54 pitches. I think we'd all like to see him get stretched out even more today, Gambo. Yeah, just dom- just dominant so far this year. Interesting fact, I mean, Montgomery, if this is his 112th career start. Has never faced the Arizona Diamondbacks. Never faced them. So that's an interesting angle. So he's come over and he's pitched really well for them since they got him in that trade with the Yankees. He's got the most strikeouts for the team. and um, So he's done a good job for them. Dre Jameson, man, we have loved what we've seen out of him right now. That fastball command has been real dominant. He's able to move the ball around the strike zone and he's uh, he's got that swing and miss stuff that everybody loves from a starting pitcher. Yeah, his his slider is, it, it is truly swing and miss type stuff. So I think we're all excited to see what he has to offer today. That is the pitching matchup. Now the injury report for today and it is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the suicide and crisis lifeline. There was a move today by the Diamondbacks. They did activate Joe Mantiply off of the 15-day injured list. So we had heard last night during the game, during the broadcast, that Mantiply was with the team, but he was on the taxi squad. He has been activated today. Luis Frias, the right-handed relief pitcher, has been sent down to AAA Reno. So one of the injured guys back for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Gambo. Yeah, we had Mantiply on our show during spring training, and he's, you know, he, he was so good for them last year. He was their all-star. So real Im- 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 important to get him back. The bull- Chapin has been great. I mean, Andrew Chapin has been, I mean, he's been fantastic for them. So really good to see them get Mantiply back. He'll be a guy that Lovello counts on big time late in the game. Yeah, three saves so far in the season for Chafin, including last night. Now your standings, your MLB standings, presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Diamondbacks, first place Diamondbacks, 10-7 and seven so 
far this year. The Dodgers are next at an 8-9 record. The Padres at 8-10. and The reason I bring this up is for a couple of reasons, and thanks to D-backs Facts on Twitter and AZ Snake Pit on Twitter for pointing out that the Diamondbacks, one, are the only team in the National League West with a winning record right now. Everybody else is sub-500. And maybe, two, the Arizona Diamondbacks are two games up in the National League West for the first time since July of 2018, Gambo. It's been five years since the Diamondbacks have been in first by two games or more. It's been a minute, as the kids would like to say. You know, and I and I asked um, I asked Merrill Kelly when we had him on. I go, did you guys gain some extra confidence because you came out of the gate strong against like the Dodgers and the Padres? And he said that they did. And you know that the, the carryover effect has been real good. You know, so they did. You know, lose the first two to Miami, then bounce back with Gallon. Right? I mean, it's, it's what you want. You want a guy who can end a losing streak. They lose a couple, boom, Gallon's on the mound. You get a win. Now he's got the streak going. Merrill Kelly follows that up. He says, "Okay, anything you could do, I could do better." Boom, Merrill Kelly throws a gem. So really good. I, I like their one-two punch. I know there was some concerns about about Merrill, but I like their one-two punch because I don't think they're going to have any prolonged losing streaks. And the key for them is, you know, the winning streaks. Can they have the three game that they can win today? Three game winning streaks. You put a bunch of those together, got a good chance to go to the playoffs. All right, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I'm you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Take it away, Keymaster. Well, two quick, quick things. One, Paul Goldschmidt has reached base safely in all 16 games this season. He's back in the lineup today. Keep him off the bases. The other thing is watch out for Wilson Contreras, man. He's throwing out five base dealers. Arizona likes to run, but Contreras tied for the Major League Baseball lead in runners thrown out with five. Be careful on the base paths. Diamondbacks baseball coming up at 445. You'll hear it on ESPN 620. We'll keep you updated here on the Burns and Gambo show. Do we have a new gate to worry about after last night's NBA games? In particular, Stomp Gate starring Draymond Green. We'll touch on that and everything going on in sports in the reset next on the Burns and Gambo show.